USA Wealth Group Inc. presents Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance and Pete Lance are your hosts for the next hour, talking retirement topics and having the retirement conversation for those at or nearing retirement. For more than 20 years, USA Wealth Group has been committed to helping families protect and grow their wealth. The conversation starts now. Welcome to Money Wise Radio. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise with the Money Guys. My name is Ray Lance, and with me this morning, I've got two very famous guests. I've got attorney Michael Coleman and attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So this is a show that we like to do to celebrate Father's Day every year because I think it's important. It ties in with financial planning topics. It ties in with estate planning topics. But I'd like to start out this morning by talking about Mark Twain. Mark Twain was one of my favorites. And I think one of the favorite quotes of all time from Mark Twain is this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) Does that sound like a familiar story, Mike? Yeah. I think these days it's a little bit older than 21. (laughs) I think you're right, yeah. Um, I think we ought to have uh, universal service in this country, either military or Mm -hmm. community service, and Mm -hmm. let younger people have a chance to learn and to grow and mature just a little bit. But I've always liked Mark Twain, and every time I read that, I think of our son, Peter Tenney, and once upon a time when he was, I think, about 15 or 16, we did a rafting trip down the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. It was a great experience. It was a great trip. Unfortunately, there was a 15-year-old girl on the trip. (laughs) And my son did not want to know me, didn't pay any attention to me, treated me with disdain. And all he could think of is that he was a young pup and he was a young girl. And um, I remind him of that all the time, (laughs) how badly he treated me. (laughs) That's an old family story. Yes, Yes, it is. But a very valuable experience he recognizes it today by the way Mm. that he wasn't a proper young man at the time (laughs) you were a good father though because when both of our children turned 16 you did special things with them when Catherine turned 16 you brought her to Paris so that she could practice her French and you were there on Bastille Day and it was a wonderful trip for both of you. Yes, I, but I think that the lesson to be learned there for parents and for fathers is don't expect too much of your children until they get to be around 22 or 23 <laughs> or a little bit older. Right. Because one of the reasons we had decided to go to Paris on that special trip, it was going to be a special father-daughter trip. I don't remember how old. Well, she was a senior in high school, right? I think so. Well, yeah. And or, she... Yeah, yeah, and she had been studying French, and she knew French fairly well, so I thought that would be a good experience for her. And unfortunately, she did not speak a single word of French until the very last day when we were leaving, mm. and then she started to practice her French a little bit. <laughs> I remember that vividly. She was very shy. <laughs> and the French can be tough, too. You know, uh, they yes, know. they are. They can be. I guess any nation can be. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, Sometimes you can try to get your words out when you're in, in France and right. struggling to speak some French, and they'll look at you and then watch you struggle, and then they'll answer you back in English. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They knew exactly what you were trying to do, and they just wanted to see you make a fool of yourself. <laughs> Most Europeans know English just as well as their own mm. language. Right. Well, it's an interesting experience of raising children and It's an interesting experience um, having a father. We want to talk a little bit about the history of Father's Day. We want to talk about why I think fathers have a very special responsibility to helping their children, uh, teaching their children, and so forth. I have to go backwards sometimes to my own experience with my own dad. Um, I didn't 
get to see him, and he didn't get to see me until I was about two years old because he was fighting in World War II. So we had gaps, and then he was away again during the Korean War, and he also spent 15 months on one tour in Okinawa when I was a sophomore in high school into part of my junior year, I think it was. But when he was there, he was noticed because he was a first sergeant in the Marine Corps. So I always like to tell people I grew up with a first sergeant for a father. But he didn't take any nonsense. He was a tough guy, though. That is for sure. He had, I always remember that to me, his jaw muscles stood out beyond his nose in profile because he was used to yelling at people. Well, <laughs> he was used to commanding men, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And um, I guess it's hard to separate that from not commanding your family. Mm. So if I had to think about one thing my father always said to me is, Stand up straight. Stand up straight. If you don't stand up straight, you're going to wear a back brace someday. I'm going to get you a back brace. Because he didn't like the fact that I was slouching over. Mm. I think of that all the time. Mm. If I have to go to speak in public, I always think about that, and I stand up a little straighter. <laughs> so I guess the message got through somehow, didn't it? <laughs> and you have to align your clothing so that all of your buttons on your shirts and your belt buckle all align straight up and down. Yeah, it's called a military alignment, but I learned that myself when I went into uh, military duty. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, history of Father's Day. Um, it was first recognized uh, by Mrs. Sonora Smart Dodd, known as the mother of Father's Day, and she was listening to a Mother's Day sermon in the year 1909, so obviously Mother's Day came before Father's Day, mm -hmm. which is typical, I guess. And she realized that there wasn't any Father's Day. And her father had raised her and five other siblings as a single parent. So she thought that there ought to be a Father's Day, and she helped to promote that. But the first Father's Day was actually celebrated in June 19th of 1910. Now, it was not that long ago, really, when you think about it. And then it wasn't until 1966, believe it or not, that President Lyndon Johnson issued the first presidential proclamation that honored fathers and designated the third Sunday in June as Father's Day. And then six years later, in 1972, President Nixon, Richard Nixon, made it an actual permanent holiday, but it's always on a Sunday. It's always the third Sunday in June. So, um, Americans spend more than a billion dollars in gifts for Father's Day every year. Hmm. Um, I don't need any gifts, by the way, for Father's Day, so just be nice to me, that's all. <laughs> that's all I ask. I can give you something from the cats. Something from the cats, okay. <laughs> Catnip mouse to play with, okay. He loves his cats. <laughs> well, they're great. They have individual personalities, and they do really well. Father's Day is actually celebrated in uh, many parts of the world, including Brazil and Canada. So, Tendi, did you learn anything valuable from your father? My father was a very soft-spoken, uh, minimalist speaker. He didn't say a whole lot, but he was always very um, sure that people should be honest and fair and square. Um, don't spend any money unless you have to. That was certainly his old New England way of doing things. Save all of that. Plus he grew up during the Depression. Yes, he did. Yes, he went to Worcester Polytech in the 1930s while he was working. So he had a tough life, yes. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the history of Father's Day. So we know that it was started by this lady in Washington, state of Washington, Sonora Dodd, and she wanted a special day to honor her own father. And he was a widowed Civil War veteran who raised six children on a farm by himself. But it really wasn't until 1972, not that long ago, 
that it became a national permanent holiday in the U.S. So, Tenny, why do golfers carry an extra pair of socks? I'm sorry, what? Why do golfers carry an extra pair of socks? That's what I thought you said. I don't know. In case they get a hole in one. Uh. <laughs> no? Bad, bad, bad. That's a bad joke, bad, isn't it? Bad. Okay. So... We're going to talk a little bit more about fathers, but we're also going to be talking about some things that fathers should be thinking about doing when it comes to protecting their family and protecting their their money and their assets and, you know, things to do to be a good father and to be a better father. And this is something for everybody listening today. Um, fathers always try to be financially secure. It's considered, you know, an important part of their job, I guess, their obligation to be able to support their family. And I suspect there's a lot of guilt associated with that if it's difficult. But we also want to make sure that, you know, children and grandchildren can follow their own dreams and and be better off in life than uh, they were. Hmm. I remember when I was about 27 years old and working as a young lawyer, I remembered that I was making more money that year than my father was. And that was an interesting revelation to me to realize that. Hmm. But he always said to me, you're going to go to college. There was never any option, never any choice. Mm -hmm. It's the other thing he said, you're going to go to college, study hard, you're going to go to college. Mm -hmm. And that's probably instilled into me to do that. Mm -hmm. So when we come back after a short break, we're gonna talk a little bit more about common advice that fathers often give to their children Please stay tuned, and we will be right back. You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys, hosted by Ray Lance and Pete Lance. If you have questions about retirement, call today, 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858 for a consultation or a second opinion on your current retirement plan. 508-998-8858. And now, back to Money Wise with the Money Guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're celebrating Father's Day today, and if you happen to be a father, happy Father's Day to you. And um, most of us have had a father that we're able to grow up with, not everybody can. My father was absent primarily because of military duties, uh, at least three segments during the time that I grew up. So I didn't have my father with me all that time. But nevertheless, the father is a, is a big influence on the children. Basically, he wants to make sure that there's food on the table every night. Uh, he wants to create a legacy if we can. We do a lot of that kind of work here in the office, don't we, Tenny? Yes, that's certainly our aim. And when we do public seminars, for example, we often say one of the things that we want to make sure of is that um, you take care of your family, you provide for your family by doing wills and trusts and legal documents. Otherwise, it's going to be much more difficult when the father is gone. It's going to be much more expensive when the father is gone. Mm. And you do a lot of those kinds of documents, don't you, Mike? Yeah. I just met with someone uh, today, actually, whose dad passed away in May, and his father was very private with everything, Mm. so never shared any information about bank accounts or anything with any of the kids. So now it's a matter of just going around and trying to figure out what they can. We have to do a probate because his dad kept all his bank accounts in his name alone. Oh, wow. So that's one of the worst things you can do then. You don't want to leave things in just your name alone. You want to do an estate plan and maybe create a trust, for example, and have things in trust. Absolutely. And he's thinking of doing that now because of what he's going through with his dad. (laughs) Well, I suspect you must see that a lot, that sometimes when the older generation passes on, they haven't done quite the planning that they should have or even any planning. I think a lot of times that goes along with what we're talking about you know, being a father and wanting to be in control of everything and provide, and then they don't, when they get older, they don't want to share with their children responsibilities and things. Well, I guess it's two schools of thought. I've met with people even this year and last year who have 
accumulated a lot more resources than what they're ever going to spend during their lifetime. Mm -hmm. I said, why don't you give some of it away? If you're never going to need some of this money to live on, why don't you do gifting? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as, as we know, the three of us sitting at this table, Massachusetts has no gift tax. So you can give away money. Um, you don't have to file a gift tax return in Massachusetts. You don't have to pay any gift tax. But what people forget is that the annual exclusion, so-called, which is, what, about 16000 I think, now. 17, yeah. 17, um, that that really is not a limit on what you can give away, that you can gift up to the federal estate tax limit of 12 point something million without having any tax. Yep. So from a federal tax point of view, you can give away money. You're technically supposed to give file a gift tax return if you give away a larger sum of money. So you have an annual exclusion amount you can give away. If you give away more than that, then you're required to do a gift tax return. Most people don't bother to do that because they're not going to owe any tax anyway unless they reached a gift of more than roughly $12.5 million. Hmm. Not too many people that we know right now are giving away that kind of money. Hmm. But in any event, financial planning, doing, giving financial advice to children is an important task of a father. Um, my father wasn't very specific about it, but he always said, you know, don't spend money that you don't have. And I remember once in my early working career, my very early working career, when I needed about $2,500, and I asked my father if I could borrow it from him. And I felt so terrible when I did that. And then I did pay it back to him, but I always felt very guilty that I owed that money. Well, that's because, you know, he made me feel that way. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure he was going to get his money back not only to get the money back, but he wanted to basically teach me a lesson. So don't borrow money if you don't have to. Don't spend money you don't have. Pay your bills on time. All those kinds of things. And you and I had different experiences with regard to our education. My family always felt it was absolutely their obligation to pay for all post-high school education. Your family just didn't have the resources to do that. So you had to pay for your own. I did. I put myself through college. My parents, I think, paid about $2,000 total towards my education. And I paid the rest and worked worked some interesting jobs. I guess I've been working a regular job at an outside place since I was uh, 15, I guess. Hmm. My first job was at a five and ten cent store. They don't have those anymore. But the other thing he always said was, you know, don't quit your job unless you have another one lined up first. So a lot of little financial lessons once in a while come through. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I'll write a book on that subject someday. So um, let's talk about Father's Day advice. I wonder how many fathers really do give financial advice. Like, did your father ever talk to you about investments, Mike? No. No? No. Why is it that sometimes people do and sometimes people don't? My father never did. Yeah, my dad was not, I guess he was more like Tenny's dad. He was quiet, reserved mm-hmm. kind of person. He didn't yeah. talk a lot, share a lot. I knew your dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had met him quite a number of times. He's how I got here. You know, he's one of the reasons I ended up here. Oh, I didn't <laughs> know that. Tell me that story. I didn't so, know that. So, I think he knew you through... Maybe the Lions Club or, or some organization. Okay. And, um, um, he, I was looking for, to get into estate planning, mm-hmm. and he said I should reach out to you. <laughs> I never knew that before. Yeah. Say I learned something new today. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Well, we're very glad was, that you're here. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say um, it was great. And your dad was in the insurance <laughs> business too, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. That was his his career. Yes, he was helping people with financial uh, products, insurance products, and so mm-hmm. forth. Mm-hmm. So, what do they say? The the twig doesn't fall far from the tree or something? <laughs> the what? The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> right. I don't know. There's, a, there's an old expression of, the, of that nature. So, do they teach financial education in school anymore, Tenny? 
I think it's coming back. I think I've seen some someplace in some news article that schools were beginning to add that back to the curriculum. We didn't have exactly financial advice or information. We had wonderful things like home economics, how to cook and clean and all of that stuff, but nobody really taught us how to handle money. In fact, my mother, till she died, never knew how to check her checkbook and make sure that she had a decent balance in it. Well, you see that sometimes anyways right now, don't you, Mike? You see one spouse dies and the person that died first was handling all the money and the other spouse doesn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with an estate right now where the husband passed away recently. He had run a business and the wife was not involved in the business at all. Mm -hmm. But now she's, you know, the successor trustee of a trust and she's trying to deal with a business that she was never involved in and, (laughs) you know. Well, that's interesting. We've we've got uh, I've seen several situations of that, including one recently where a business just got sold. But it was a couple of brothers running the business together, and the wives were not involved in it financially mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And I kept saying, you need to have a buy sell agreement. What happens if one of the brothers dies? Mm-hmm. Uh, is his wife going to go in and take his position? Who knows nothing about the business? Right. So planning is essential. Um, and by the way, give a call to Tenny or to Mike at uh, Lance Law Inc. Their number is 508-998-8800. Uh, they'll make an appointment for you and you can come in and maybe ask some questions about protecting your family and things that you should do. Harry Truman, who was the 33rd president of the United States, once said, I have found the best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want and then advise them to do it. And that's probably the most important advice that they'll listen to, isn't it? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that, that means that the fathers have to understand that following their footsteps is not necessary. That's a hard thing. But it's fairly common, too. I mean... You know, our son Peter is in the same business that we're in and doing uh, retirement and financial planning. And um, he has just recently concluded a multi-day tax course in another state. So Mm -hmm. he's continuing to learn tax subjects to add on to his securities licenses. Uh, Wade Boggs, do you know who Wade Boggs was or is? Played for the Red Sox. Yeah, Red Sox player. Wade Boggs once said, Anyone can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. And that's why I call you dad, because you are so special to me. You taught me the game, and you taught me how to play it right. That was a nice tribute to his father, wasn't it? Peter is an excellent dad. He pays a great deal of attention to his kids. He's always the coach of their sports teams. He's a very good dad. He's been coaching, I think, for at least 10 years, and often it's with several sports at the same time. Hmm. You know, soccer for his son, baseball for his son and daughter. So, yeah. So, um, I have to give you a, a very important quotation from George W. Bush. They call our language the mother tongue because the father seldom gets to speak. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't really a very positive quotation for fathers so much as it was a slam against the mother, right? <laughs> well, that was the case in my family. <laughs> yeah, well, it is in a lot of families. So I just want to confirm something we were saying earlier. The annual exclusion amount for giving money and for gift tax exclusion this is federal, is $17,000 per person in the year 2023. That means if you're a married couple and you want to give away money to children, for example, you can give away $34,000 per married couple. So that changes almost every year, and that only applies to federal gifts. There is no uh, gift tax law in Massachusetts. So here's a small boy's definition of Father's Day definition of Father's Day. It's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend so much. 
That's a truism, isn't it? Well, we're, we're going to come right back in just a minute and give you some more specific information about Father's Day. Stay tuned, and we will be right back. This is Money Wise Radio with Ray and Pete Lance, powered by the USA Wealth Group. Collectively, more than 80 years of experience helping clients define and plan for their retirement goals. To begin a retirement consultation, call 508 508- 998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise. Today we're talking about Father's Day. And again, happy Father's Day to anyone listening who's a father. Or maybe it's a time that you might want to think about some of the things that your father, your dad did for you. One of the quotations that I have this morning from an unknown author is, a father is a guy who has snapshots in his wallet where his money used to be. So Mike, did you get an allowance when you were a kid? No, I didn't have an allowance. I started working when I was pretty young, I think 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what was your first job? So I, I worked at Handy Hill in Westport. And what, what's Give them Handy a Hill? free uh, advertisement. Okay. <laughs> Handy Hill is an ice cream place right on Route 88. So if you're going to Horseneck, it'll be on the right. Yep, actually I know where it is. Towards the beach. <laughs> I've actually probably stopped there more than once. Yeah. I don't know how long it's been there, but I'm old, so. <laughs> you're not old. You're far from old. <laughs> I'm old. You're not old. It seemed like it had been there a long time when I started, so. So actually we are talking a little bit about this during the break, and discovered that Toby, who's sitting over in the corner um, having his lunch, uh, also worked at Handy Hill. Was that your first job, Toby? Yeah, first job. First job, wow. <laughs> Gosh, you should have a reunion here. It's a pretty good place to work, except for in the middle of the summer, like on a beach day when everyone's coming back from the beach and going to get ice cream at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's really hot. <laughs> That's when it's tough. Well... I've had a lot of interesting jobs in my lifetime as well. My very first job actually was I sold all occasion greeting cards in a box, door to door. And I did that I think when I was around 12 years old. Hmm. And I'm not sure how I got started, but I would sell a box of greeting cards, 12 cards in a box, and it was a dollar and 50 cents. And I got to keep 50 cents as my commission. And I had to send the rest of the money back to the company. Mm. Um, or maybe I bought them in advance. I don't remember. Yeah. But I had to go door to door and say, would you like to buy a box of all occasion cards? <laughs> and they looked so young and cute that, you know, I had some pretty good sales. Yeah, yeah. But my first uh, real job was when I was 15. I worked at a five and 10 cent store. Oh. And I got to sweep floors and stock shelves and... Mm-hmm. Uh, all those kinds of things. No cash register, just all the heavy stuff, unloading trucks and things of that nature. I had a bunch of jobs. I worked at a golf course one year, Sakonet Golf Course, as on the grounds crew. Mm-hmm. That was a tough job because you had to get up at, I had to be there at like 5 in the morning. Wow. Every day to get the course yeah, ready before the sense. people go out to play on it. Wow. That was tough. That's why you come to work here so early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... I've had yeah I've had a lot of interesting jobs in my lifetime too. Let's see, I served as an orderly uh, in a hospital in Worcester while I was going to Clark University for my college degree, hmm. and I worked on the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift. Hmm. Then I would go home and take a shower and have some breakfast and go to class and try hmm. to stay awake. Hmm. But I worked in the uh, psychiatric ward. Wow. That was a tough experience. So a lot of uh, difficult things. And then I worked one summer. Um, I was a, um, a spinner in a woolen mill in Charlton, Mass. Charlton or Leicester, I can't remember. And I had these two major machines, and they would have these big rolls of yarn at the top, and I would have to take the yarn off each spool and feed it into a little twist machine that would spin it tightly into thread. It would go on to bobbins, and then I would have to take the bobbins off and put them in a big bin. Wow. That was a tough job. I lost weight that summer when I did that job. Yeah. 
No air conditioning, probably. Oh, hell no. No, no <laughs> air conditioning. But you know what? None of those experiences really did us any harm. No. And you didn't get an allowance. I did not get an allowance. No. If I wanted money, I had to figure out a way to work for it. Right. And to make money. Yeah. So... Kids, I think, today are probably different. I remember I had two jobs at that time, actually, when I first started. When I had one at Handy Hill, and then I was also working at Subway in Fall River. Hmm. And so I was working a lot. My parents said, you shouldn't be working this much. (laughs) So I stopped working at Subway and just continued at Handy Hill. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I did lots of interesting jobs. I worked in a steel mill once. Uh, I ran a forklift truck, and I had to pick up big rolls of wire that were like 300 pounds with a Mm. forklift and drive a forklift around. Mm. That was okay until the regular workers were on strike and every day they would throw eggs and things at us and Mm. I was out there with my forklift holding a box up in the air for somebody to take pictures. So I guess I was a scab. (laughs) That was a summer job. The only reason I did that was because I had a, a friend whose father owned the mill. I don't really remember how it ended, but mm-hmm. in any event, um, being a father, it can be fun, it can be frustrating, but it's an important job because you need to teach your kids about money. Like, even in preschool, I wonder if kids get taught about money today. Um, you know, use give them a jar, punch a hole in the top, and tell them to put all their spare change in there. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets up to a certain level, go with them to the bank. Yeah. Put it in the coin machine and watch the money come out. See mm-hmm. how much money they have. Um, create an example for them. You know they're watching you. If you pay with a plastic card all the time, maybe they notice. Maybe they don't. But show them that things cost money. Yeah, that's important to let kids know how much <laughs> everything costs. Otherwise, don't just buy things all the time for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably fairly common. Yeah. But it's it's more appropriate for kids who are in elementary school or middle school and you know give them commissions don't give allowances Mm -hmm. make them do something to earn money right if you want to make money in life you need to do something to earn it Mm -hmm. we'll give you a commission you want to cut the grass Um, I know too many fathers right now they'll have able kids at home but the father will go out and cut the grass yeah that doesn't make any sense you're not you're not teaching the kid anything when you're doing that right let them learn how to take out the trash and clean their room and mow the grass. Um, we always had to do those kinds of things. In fact, my mom always had two jobs. Typically, she was a bookkeeper, and she usually had two separate jobs going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we had things we had to do. We didn't get paid for them. We didn't get an allowance. We had to set the table. We had to clear the dishes off afterwards. One would wash the dishes. One would dry the dishes. No mm-hmm. dishwashers then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one would put them away, but we had to do all those things. Mm. My mom didn't have to do that. Mm. But um, avoid buying things on impulse. If your child wants something, maybe you just don't automatically buy it. Tell them what it costs and tell them how they can start to earn money and save money. Mm-hmm. And if they really want it when they have the money accumulated, then let them go buy it. Yeah. Um, and these days with cell phones and online games and things like that, that can be dangerous. I heard a story recently about a child playing a, an online game and they were buying things in the game that was connected to a parent's bank account and ended up spending about $60,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, well, I've avoid seen some, that. Yeah, I've seen something similar in um, my own family with one of my own grandsons. He didn't spend that kind of money, but yeah. he did incur a couple hundred dollars yeah. on their card. It's easy to just press a button when you're playing a game and... Yeah. Yeah. So don't get into that situation. Right. Um, teach children how to give. Teach them that you know they can give money to help a charity or a church or something. Mm-hmm. So, but most importantly, teach them about the value of money. How about teenagers? It must be really difficult to teach a teenager anything. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like a foreign object living in your house. <laughs> I think. But maybe maybe you are a better teenager than. Other, other children. I think we all have our moments as teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I think we do too. Some are worse than others, but... So, you know, if a kid gets his driver's license and 
wants a car, mm-hmm. uh, have him get a job and help work and save money to help pay for the car. Yeah. Uh, don't just hand it to him. Mm-hmm. And um, how about a bank account? Did you have a bank account when you were a kid? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And I guess I'm probably dating myself, but we used to have a savings account at school in our class where we had a little card and we would put a quarter in like every single week into a slot in the card. And then when the card got filled, all that money would go to the bank and it would be used to open up a bank account. Hmm. So basically the school was helping to teach about money. Yeah, They don't do that today. No. Um, How about saving for college? Um, Sometimes people are fortunate that Parents have enough money that they can pay for college, but it's expensive if you don't have resources, you have to borrow money and have uh, school loans and things of that nature. You know, one of the worst things that I've seen, and I can remember it from when I was in my first year in college, you sign up for freshman orientation, and there were a half a dozen tables set up where there were credit card companies and they were inviting the kids to sign on an application and apply for a credit card. Mm. And they were all gonna get a, a credit card with $200 credit on it. Right, how can you get a credit card when you have, I guess, you know, you have no credit, so you have to start somewhere, but yep. it doesn't seem like a good idea to be giving young kids credit cards. No, it isn't, it, because then the kid will go out and spend the money and mm. you know put money on the credit card and pretty soon, they can't afford the credit card bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to teach them about that. Uh, budget is always a big thing in our office. We always tell people, you know, can't do anything at all unless you have a budget. You really can't plan for your retirement. You can't plan for your future. Teach kids the same thing. Have them set up a budget. Yeah. Say, here's a budget form for you. We'll be happy to provide a budget form. Mm-hmm. Give us a call at our office at 508-998-8800. We'll send a budget form. I Let's can't imagine a teenager having a budget, but that's a good, good. <laughs> no, but some will. Yeah, and um, it says here in the, this article, there is an app that you could use. Um, Every Dollar is the name of the app. So okay. I have not heard of that one. Yeah, so you could download that and see if that would work. Maybe, you know, nowadays kids are more technological, so maybe that would help. Well, in the absence of school teaching things about money, which most schools don't, it has to come from the father, it has to come from the mother, it has to come from the parent. Uh, did you ever hear of a comedian called Martin Mull? No. Well, I'm not, I haven't heard from him lately. He said, having children is like having a bowling alley installed in your brain. Mm. So it can be interesting. <laughs> well, we're going to take another break in just a moment and come back, and then we're going to give you some other specific things to think about for Father's Day. And again... Happy Father's Day to all the Father's Day listening. Call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Money Wise is in many places. If you missed a minute of the show or want to listen to past episodes of Money Wise, go online to usawealthgroup.com and click on the radio page. That's usawealthgroup.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise, and welcome back to our celebration of Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to anyone listening who is a father. And um, I have mixed memories about my own dad. I have good memories and sometimes not good memories. Um, He didn't play sport with us. He never taught me to fish, Mm. but he liked to fish himself. So there's things that he could have done differently, but you know, I don't want to ever go back and criticize him. He had a, a very difficult life that I never experienced, you know, fighting in two wars, both mm-hmm. World War II and Korea, and, you know, having to take part in protecting his own men and killing people and on the on the enemy side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine what that does to somebody. No, And neither. I've never had to experience it because he did, yeah. because he did what he had to do 
I didn't have to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in my family we're proud of the fact that my grandfather, my father, me, and, and our son Peter all served in the Marine Corps, and that's always been very important to us. But um, he did teach some things, mm-hmm. and sometimes they come back at odd times, like standing up straight. Yeah. You know, I will always remember that, mm-hmm. and then I try to practice it. But, um, you know, William Shakespeare even once said, it's a wise father that knows his own child. Mm. It's a complicated relationship between father and children and so forth. And there is an interesting organization in New Bedford called Greater New Bedford um, Big Brothers and Big Sisters Program, which is now a part of the uh, Eastern Program. And they also, I think, work with Child and Family Services. We've had them on in the past. Mm-hmm. If you don't have children and you ever want to do some good in the community, you can take part as a volunteer in the Big Brother, Big Sisters program, and you can help in that way. One of the quotes that I've used in the past is from somebody named David Ayer. My father died when I was really young on Christmas Day. And the reason that I've used that is because that happened with Tenny, attorney Tenny Lance. Her father was ill. He had been in the hospital for about a week, and he actually passed away around 7 o'clock in the morning on Christmas morning. Mm. That was a tough morning for Tenny and for her mother as well. But um, there are many things that we can teach children. There are many things that we've learned from our fathers. One of the most important things is to do something that will make sure you have your estate planning documents in place. Uh, That's probably one of the single biggest gifts that you can give. Uh, I know, Mike, you've seen so many situations, and I have as well, when the parents have not taken the time Mm -hmm. or the energy to do their estate plans. Yeah, we see it a lot, unfortunately, and what we try to do when we do planning for people is to give them not just documents, not you know, not just have them sign a will or a trust or powers of attorney, but we try to provide them with a plan, you know, a real plan for transferring assets and things to kids. So we give them documents that they can list assets on. Uh, we give them documents to list contact information for anyone that they would want to have contacted if something were to happen. So it's a comprehensive plan, you know, to really help out the children if they have to act for you. I know you also make sure they have proper beneficiaries designated on their yeah. life insurance and mm-hmm. on their IRAs or their retirement accounts. It happens so much that people will open life insurance policies when they're younger or buy policies and maybe they don't have kids yet, so they just name a spouse as beneficiary. You know, and as life goes on, they have kids, but they never add the kids as contingent beneficiaries. So much later in life, the spouse will pass away and there will be no beneficiary named. So if you still have life insurance or retirement accounts, check on those. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that at some point, we're all going to die. We're all going to pass away. It's, It's life. And we just don't know when. And I don't think anybody would really want to know when. And if you did, I wonder if you would live your life any differently. Mm. But knowing that, why wouldn't you do as much as you can to be as protective as you can for your family, for your spouse, for your children? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you make sure you have a will or a trust and proper legal documents? Things happen unexpectedly. Life is hazard sometimes. And powers of attorney, too. Powers of attorney are important for... You know, if someone's incapacitated, the power of attorney names an agent or an attorney, in fact, to act for that person. Same with the healthcare power of attorney, what's known as a healthcare proxy, mm-hmm. that names someone to make medical decisions. So those are also important documents to have. Well, and if you ever want information about that, um, actually, I'll put it a little bit differently. Don't just sit back and wait for that day when you finally get around to it. Mm-hmm. Do it now. Give a call to uh, Mike or Tenny at 508-998-8800. And by the way, Tenny had a, a, a thing that she had to do, so he had, she had to leave the show a little early today. Mm-hmm. That means we can talk about her. Okay. <laughs> no, we won't talk about her. But uh, definitely do something for somebody else. Do, first of all, do it for your family. Mm-hmm. 
don't do it necessarily for yourself. Do it yeah. for your family. And get do organized. It. You yeah. know, one of the I met with someone recently, and it's not just that his dad didn't have documents; that his dad was not organized, so he doesn't know, you know, what if he filed taxes or what's coming to him from retirement accounts or things like that because his dad wasn't organized. Not that he was a, a bad person; he just never sort of thought about that. So. Well, it's not a skill for everybody, but yeah, yeah. I know when you do estate planning for somebody, you have this big red notebook. It's about mm-hmm. two inches thick, and it right. has the will, the trust, the powers of attorney, the healthcare proxies, instructions on how to do the funding and how to put things in there. Most people, when I bring up the book, think it's too much. You know, they're overwhelmed by it. But then when I go through it and I show them, it's not just estate planning documents in there. It's all sorts of things that you can help to keep track of all your assets and everything to mm-hmm. help kids out. I mean, that's really the purpose of it is to have everything in one place so that if something happens to you, your kids will know exactly what to do. In other words, it is organized. Yeah. And from a financial perspective, we want to make sure that your money is where it ought to be, not necessarily just in the bank. That's okay to have part of your assets there, but Think about looking at some other things that are going to be helpful financially to your family. Life insurance is a very important thing to do for family. Is there enough money put aside to pay for burial expenses if you're gone? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Right. Um, what about fina- what about retirement documents? Uh, if you don't have proper beneficiaries designated, then that's a real problem. I was just looking at a case today. It was a a news clip that was sent from Ed Slot, who's the famous IRA teacher across the country. And it was sent to everybody in a conference that my son Peter is attending. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a t- famous 2005 case where a husband and wife got married. The husband, who uh, had a fairly good-sized retirement account, did not list his wife as the beneficiary. His new wife his new wife, his yeah. present wife, he had listed his sister yeah. as his beneficiary and never changed it. This is a 2005 case out of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. When he died, uh, it was worth just a little bit less than a million dollars. It was 900 and something thousand dollars. And the sister applied for the money and got the money paid to her. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman's wife sued and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said he had a named beneficiary. He hmm. didn't change it. We can't wow. change it because he wanted to wow. leave you the money instead. And the sister, unfortunately, decided that she needed the money, and she kept it. Jeez. So, I mean, this is real life. It really does yeah. happen. I just talked to someone the other day who is in the process of going through a divorce but is in a new relationship, and his divorce isn't finalized, so... One of the things he's worried about, what you could be worried about here in Massachusetts, if your assets are going through probate, your spouse, even if you have a will, your spouse can make an elective share Mm -hmm. option. I've heard of that. Yeah, so they can, even if you have a will that says, I leave everything to someone else, if you're still married to someone, your spouse can come into the probate court and say, I still want a part of my spouse's estate. And they'd be entitled to that. No, it's waive the will and claim yeah. the statutory share, I guess exactly. is the phrase. Exactly. So, so that might be a good argument. Yeah, go ahead. To avoid that, don't let things go through probate. Or another, another way to put it is have a trust. Exactly. Yeah. Have a trust and then things will go where you want them to go. Yeah. But it is important to decide what's the best thing you can do to protect your family. Mm-hmm. Get organized. Get prepared. Have a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure your beneficiaries are properly designated. Make sure there's enough life insurance to pay for your funeral services. And make if you do make funeral or burial plans, write that down too. We have documents in our book where you can write down burial arrangements, burial plans, what you would like to have happen because you don't want your children to have to guess at that. Well, here's another one for you, especially in today's date. Uh, we recently did some seminars, and I had a gentleman immediately after the seminar. He said, what happens to all of your computer codes and your passwords for getting into your accounts yep. if you don't have a way that the people who survive you can look at those things? Mm-hmm. They're going to have a problem, aren't they? And I oh, said, yeah. absolutely. We mm-hmm. tell people all the time, digital assets, passwords, passcodes, 
make sure there's some place where somebody can get access to your accounts. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what happens? You can't get into them. You go through probate. Yeah, yeah. And it's And even difficult. if you go through probate with, and you're the executor of an estate, think about dealing with like Facebook to try and explain to Facebook that you're <laughs> the executor of an estate, you want to close an account. I mean, nope. that would not be fun. Doesn't happen. <laughs> well, you know, as we come to the end of the program today, there's so many things you can do to protect your family, gentlemen. If you are listening and you are, happen to be a father, um, there's things you can do while you're living. Um, there's things that you want to make sure are squared away so that when you pass away, things can be handled properly, quickly, and expensively with no public records. Give a call to attorney Michael Coleman at 508-998-8800. Make an appointment, but do something. Don't put it off. Um, I have an expression that I've adopted recently that I think is appropriate for anything you do in life that's called if not now, when? You know, why Why do you put things off? In any event, we do want to thank you for listening. Mike, thanks for being here. I don't think we got too personal in too many of our stories. No. But um, have a happy Father's Day. And remember why you're here. And remember you can do something different. Thank you so much for listening. We will be with you again next week on the radio. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business USA Wealth Group Incorporated. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by USA Wealth Group Incorporated. This radio show is a paid placement.